Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we share soulful sex advice and go deep into sexual conversation so you can have a more fulfilling sex life. Come on over to pleasuremechanics.com to explore the full podcast archive. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the Erotic Essentials. This is our free online course, which provides you with the foundation of our philosophy about sex and lots of actionable strategies that you can get started with right away to start building the sex life you most desire. Get started at pleasuremechanics.com free. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about surviving sexless seasons. This is a topic that was voted up on our Patreon page. I gave our patrons a dozen topics to vote on, and they are help shaping our season of episodes. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. And for those of you that don't know, Patreon is a platform for creators where you can sign up to give a small monthly pledge to help keep this show going and support us in doing this work. For as little as a dollar a month, $5 a month, please join our inner circle. And with that, you get access to bonus episodes, bonus resources, and you also get to help us shape the future of this show. Not only do you vote on episodes, right now our community is voting and discussing about the future of this podcast all together. As we approach episode 300, we are going to be shaking things up and our fabulous patrons are helping us carve that path and figure out what we will be doing next. So please join our Patreon community and help us keep this work going, but also help shape this work and sound off, tell us what you want, and we will deliver. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also just added a new tier to our Patreon if you want to jump on the phone with us once a month. You can now have access to doing that. Wow. I know. I didn't even tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, good news. That sounds fun. Yeah. All right. So patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. That's how we keep this work going. And we would really appreciate your support. All right. So surviving sexless seasons. I so prefer this language over sexless marriage, which is what is commonly used in like the therapy community. It's estimated that 40% of marriages are sexless, which the therapy community defines as having sex seven times a year or less, which feels like a really arbitrary number and kind of goes back to like the judgy, like, let's count how many times we have sex and feel normal about that or not. And let's just get rid of that idea altogether. And instead, let's focus on the idea that all relationships will have seasons with more sex and less sex and no sex sometimes, and that these seasons are influenced by so many factors. So instead of wondering, is my marriage becoming sexless? 
let's start thinking instead about seasons of sexuality and how things ebb and flow, wax and wane over time, and how that is completely normal and common and healthy even. And let's look at strategies for getting through sexless seasons. How do we acknowledge these seasons, move through them together in a healthy way as a couple, and then most importantly, emerge out of the sexless season when the time is right. So that's what we're going to be digging into on today's show. And whether or not you are currently in a sexless season, these strategies will be relevant to you and useful to you, perhaps when you least expect it, because things happen that change relationships very quickly. So I hope everyone listens and absorbs this and puts it to use when it makes sense. Or shares this with friends that you think might benefit from this. If you've had conversations and people have confided that this is what's going on for them and they would like to shift things, perhaps this would be useful to email them. Just yeah, a thought. I mean, that's a good point. That's a way that you can be a pleasure advocate for the people in your lives. Um, if someone has confided in you that they are struggling with this struggle or something else that we talk about on this show, pass this resource along and help them out. Good point. Or just be there to listen and pass on our wisdom and... Take credit for it. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think this country, I think especially, is very obsessed with quantity of sex Mm -hmm. equaling good quality sex and that that is what's successful sex. And I just want to jump in. I have talked to thousands and thousands of people over the years about their sex lives. And I like to ask kind of how frequently do you have sex? What does that mean to you? And the answers range, and this is within people who are happy with their sex lives and totally fulfilled with their sex lives. Some people are happy and fulfilled by having sex once or twice a year, and some people are happy having sex once or twice a day, right? And some people never want to have sex at all. There are asexual people who have no interest in sexual connection whatsoever, and this is all within the range of normal. So we're just going to throw the idea of frequency out the window. And again, what is this question? What even counts as sex? What are we talking about? Because all the studies that are talking about sex seven times a year or less and you're in a sexless marriage is counting intercourse. They're not counting affection or cuddles or loving words or quality time or kisses. And all of these things matter right? To your own happiness, the connection you share with your lover, your physical state of happiness with your sexuality. The quality of sex you're having when you get to whatever you're calling sex. Yeah. So quantity of what? Quality of what? Let's just kind of take a broad picture with it and think and talk about sexual connection as a broad category. And the truth is sexual connection, whether you're counting intercourse, anal sex, hand jobs, all of these fun things we can do with each other, that is what waxes and wanes over time. There are times for each individual where they have high libido, high desire for physical affection and orgasm and getting hot and sweaty together. And there are times where you have very low desire for that. And then you take two individuals, you put them in a relationship, and this Venn diagram of how much you're each wanting sex and where that overlaps is an ever-changing constellation. How much you're wanting and how much you're available for, because those also might be different. Right. Gosh. 
It's amazing, actually, that two humans ever have sex, frankly, <laughs> in this day and age with all of these pieces that right, we're all holding. Right, because it's desire, it's capability, it's time and space availability, right? Well, like, if it's convenient or not, there's a lot of factors that go in. And yet, even if we can acknowledge this, so many people take it really personally and get really troubled when the frequency of sex decreases in a relationship. And because people don't often talk about sex, when this happens, it tends to be this silent drift and it's not acknowledged. And then each individual kind of develops a story around why this is happening. And it can become this source of emotional tension, which then conflates the problem. And Yeah, most often to do with rejection, lack of desire, being desirable. Then, then it cycles into feeling bad about yourself, feeling yeah. resentful to your partner. Like these are all very normal uh, cycles of emotion to get into. And we've talked about before the idea of erotic inertia and how couples can get into either a downward or upward spiral with their erotic energy. And often when you start entering into a sexless season, especially if it's unacknowledged and you're not talking about it, this can turn into a downward spiral. So the lack of sex turns into hurt feelings, which turns into emotional withdrawal, which turns into feelings of rejection and alienation, which turns into less desire, right? And you can see how that trend can actually take over a relationship and end it if it goes unchecked. Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning. Why does sex start to wane? What are some of the reasons why couples who are happy and in love and into each other and attracted to each other, what are some of the reasons a couple might start having less and less sexual contact? Again, whatever that means to you. I mean, everything from health, a health issue emerging and taking up a lot of energy to work stress, financial stress, to a new child being part of one's life and figuring out that configuration. Stress from work, work travels, if you know a work trip takes you far away, um, things within your family, political issues, global issues, um, the health of a child, your house develops mold and all of a sudden you have to deal with it. Like just stress in any form, stress in any form, illness or injury in any form. Um, but also emotional distressors that may not be actually about your relationship. It might be about your parents, your work, your friendships, and that can cause a change in your interest in having sex. It can also just be like, time and convenience, right? If your schedules don't overlap, if you're working two jobs, if you're working different shifts, there's so many factors that are far beyond if you're into your partner, if you find your partner attractive. Mm -hmm. And it's important to acknowledge that can also be a factor. Mm -hmm. As we change, as our bodies change, um, over time, the physical attraction for one another may not be strong enough to be a driver towards sexual contact, right? And I think we can't discount that as a reason, even though there are so many other reasons. Especially if there's been rejection and hurt feelings, then the person becomes sort of less and less appealing because you're feeling Right, and there's like physical yeah. attraction and then there's emotional attraction, feeling safety, 
And this is what a lot of times we talk about as the context for arousal. We know that arousal to even begin, let alone build into interest and desire, arousal needs the right context. And everyone has a different framework for what that context needs to look like. But some of the most important factors are emotional intimacy, physical safety, and low stress. Mm. Right? So as couples start to drift, and this can happen slowly, it can happen suddenly. If someone's in a car wreck and in the hospital for two weeks, that is the beginning of a sudden shift into a sexless season. Right? So this can be a sudden thing, a slow thing. But as this happens, the important thing is to acknowledge out loud that it is happening. Break the silence. Say to one another, wow, we are really having a lot less sex than we used to. Our physical relationship is different than we used to. I miss you. I'm sad about it. Whatever you're feeling about it, I'm angry about it, right? Acknowledge what's happening and how you're feeling about what's happening. And this is a really important step because it makes the issue something that you can talk about, right? And this is just like financial stress, right? We hear about couples where one person's in charge of the bills and their finances start going haywire and they don't talk about it. And by the time the other partner is brought on board, they're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and about to lose their house, right? That is really different than from at the very beginning saying, you know, our numbers aren't really lining up and we need to work on this together. And it brings you together as a partnership, as a team, acknowledging and tackling the issue together. Ideally, not accusing one another of anything, taking responsibility for your own feelings, not attacking or not attacking your partner. Mm -hmm. Ideally. And sometimes that might be part of the process, right? Like if you're angry about it, that might be part of it. And then after you get your anger out and you soften, then you can say, I'm sorry, I'm just feeling really lonely. Where are you? I feel like you're never interested anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever those words are for you. And sometimes I hear from people like, I could never say the things you say. I'm giving you examples. You find your own words to express your own feelings. But the important thing is that you talk about it and acknowledge it and look at it as like, yes, this is a change that's coming into our relationship. And then you can start identifying the factors behind this change. Why is this happening? Was there a big fight? Was there a big illness, right? Can you name the reasons this change is coming? And sometimes you can't name it, right? Sometimes one of the partners will just be like, I am just not feeling into it. I can't explain why. And that could be an opportunity to like go see a therapist. Are you experiencing depression or anxiety? Are you spending more time on Facebook looking at the political news and feeling really scared about the world? Um, Sometimes an external mediator and a therapist can help you identify why you are experiencing such a change internally that then is reflecting into your relationship. And sometimes a medical doctor just to check all your hormone levels and to see if any of those factors are playing into your experience of aliveness or desire. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to start identifying the reasons why you are experiencing a shift in libido. And sometimes it's really clear, sometimes it's not. But the clearer you can be together 
about why this is happening will help you get through this season. And then you start thinking about how will we survive this? What survival strategies do we need to put in place to get through this as a couple, still feeling connected so we have a chance of reconnecting on the other side of this and starting our intimate relationship again? Right, so it's connecting about what is real and what is true for you guys. Even if it's hard, you're still on the same team and Mm -hmm. you're still working together and acknowledging something that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that totally strengthens your relationship and gives you a place to move from together. And part of this conversation is, again, the acknowledgement of the reasons and then an acknowledgement of each individual's needs. So if one person is sick or if one person is dealing with their mother and the other person is less impacted, one partner might have way more sexual needs during this period than the other. How will you deal with that? In other situations, both partners are in it together and they are both okay to kind of go into a sexless season together, get through it, and then meet on the other side. But you need to really map who is most impacted by this and what are the needs and what are the strategies to meet those needs. Because if you are having strong physical desires, if you're experiencing a lot of libido and are excited about sex and your partner is completely unavailable, that energy needs to go somewhere. And so together as a couple, you get to talk about and agree and consent to where that energy goes. Mm-hmm. This is powerful. Cause, and some. This is powerful? Is that what you said? Yeah. Mm. Because I feel like it's acknowledging what's there and then what do you do with it? And some people will want to. For instance, if one partner has tons of sexual energy and needs and they have availability and interest, like, are they available to, for instance, massage the other partner and give them massage three times a week? not knowing if it will go to sex and you have that agreement, but they are, will any other person is completely depleted. Like that can be a beautiful arrangement. Mm. And, and, or if the other person then isn't interested in sex, can they go watch porn and masturbate after that? But the other person is getting slowly replenished and is receiving some of the sexual energy. Mm. You know, like you can get creative with this, but only if you're being honest. And so porn is a big question in this conversation because porn for a lot of monogamous people is a sexual outlet that's outside of the relationship, but within your monogamy agreement. And I want to remind people to revisit our episode about monogamy agreements and how important it is. And if you join our Patreon, we actually have a worksheet in the Patreon as a bonus resource of that will guide you through this conversation and give you actually like a checklist worksheet to talk about what is in and out of your monogamy agreement. Because these things have to be explicit, not implicit. You can't assume I'm not available for sex for the next year, so you just shut it down, right? That can't be an assumption. You have to actively talk about, okay, what is this going to look like? Are you allowed to watch porn? Can you engage in online chat? Can you spend money to do online chat with a live person? What would that look like? What if it's the same person every night for a year and that gets closer to a relationship? Is that scary or is that okay? Can you see a sex worker? How do you feel about that? Can you flirt? Can you go out with your friends more to get out more of your social energy? Like, what are your needs? What are your partner's needs? And how are they going to meet one another? 
And I didn't want to make this episode too personal about what we've just both been in. Um, We are emerging now out of a long sexless season of our marriage because I was so sick, all I was doing was surviving. And I had to acknowledge that Charlotte was in this role of not only taking care of me, taking care of our child, taking care of her sick mother. (laughs) You're a superstar. (laughs) But she was still a healthy bodied Mm. woman and had physical needs that I was not able to meet. I was not able to give her the same level of attention and affection and massage that we were used to for 10 years in our relationship. That I had become accustomed to. (laughs) Right? And so I had to kind of own that and say, and I kind of offered, I was like, do you want to take a lover? Like, go on without me. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, no, I'm cool. Like, I'm here with you. But what does this look like? Does it mean going on more hikes? Does it mean exercising more? Does it mean dancing more? Does it mean masturbating more, carving out space for that? And so there's some humility in this, right? And I had to get over my own erotic ego and acknowledge that because of the physical state I was in, I was not the lover that I wanted to be for you. Well, that you had been. And through that conversation, it became a lot less scary, and I could start focusing my energy on getting back to that place. And it became actually a really big motivating factor. So instead of kind of giving up in despair, and it was like, I'll never be able to satisfy you again, I'm like, ugh. Go on without me, leave me, the bear will eat me and you can run away. Um, Which was kind of how I was feeling, was despair. And when we talked about it and acknowledged it and worked through it together, I could move from despair to hope Mm. and start again focusing my energy, what little I had of it, towards healing and towards getting creative about the ways that I could pleasure you. And sometimes that was just making you laugh. Sometimes that was gratitude and acknowledgement. And then as I recovered, working now more towards rebuilding the level of affection and touch and physicality again, now that my body is capable of it. But this piece of active communication of we're in different places, we have different needs, we will therefore need different strategies to survive this Mm. was crucial. Right, right. Yeah, I felt like talking about it was so important. All of the ways that you acknowledged and thanked me for all the things was really helpful and made me feel close to you and emotionally connected, even if that piece wasn't so strong Yeah, for a bit. And even talking about the possibility of opening up our relationship Mm -hmm. and giving you permission, like if you are feeling so strongly that you need to take on a lover... Mm -hmm. um, And you saying, I don't need that, it kind of took the pressure off of that Uh and took my fear out of like, will she just find someone else who's strong and vital and can meet her, you know? Um, And so I think talking about that and people have different comfort levels with talking about opening up a relationship, but this includes things like chatting and flirting on dating apps right? It might mean never meeting someone physically in person, but just having someone to flirt with could be enough to get someone through this season. And it's important to acknowledge these seasons can last a couple weeks, a couple months, or a couple years, Mm -hmm. maybe a couple decades, right? But that's getting into like a lifestyle of something. 
seasons change and it's not linear. Um, and you know, just when you think you're getting out of a season, something else might happen. And so it has to be this ongoing dialogue, constantly checking in. How are we doing? This is still what's happening. What We're need? working on our strategies, right? And it's not a clinical conversation. This is a deeply emotional conversation where you're acknowledging your marriage. You're acknowledging what life has thrown at you. And again, framing your marriage as a partnership, a team where you are moving through life's challenges together. And that feeling can actually deepen emotional intimacy and trust and vulnerability, which can be erotic fuel later. Mm. Like I feel closer to Charlotte now after my illness and more secure in our love and in our attachment way more trust in what our marriage is capable of surviving. And I find that deeply sexy because it's like, where are we going to take this mm. team now? What are we going to conquer next together with this renewed intimacy? Intimacy can come from a lot of interesting places, sickness and strife and struggle included. Yeah. The connection, I think, is the most important piece. That, like, the thread is there, mm -hmm. and you're in dialogue and aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and I felt like there was so much that I could do solo before I started thinking about other people, and there was so much going on. It was not a need, but I so appreciated that offer um, mm -hmm. to think about it, and I was like, no, I don't need that right now. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the solo, the masturbation. Because mm. um, this is a primary strategy for surviving sexless seasons, especially if it's not you that doesn't want to be having sex, right? Mm. If it's your partner that's not available. Masturbation can be a lifeline and you can recommit all of that erotic energy towards solo sex and take it to new places. And so some strategies here might be committing to masturbating in a new way, buying yourself new toys, trying out new porn, trying out different positions, right? Like shake up your masturbation routine so it doesn't feel like a sad second best replacement, but it is now your primary sexual relationship. It's a laboratory. Yeah. It can just be a release or you can stretch and push yourself and see what you can create there. Like what new do you want to explore? How are you going to do that? How are you going to create space for it? It's a powerful place mm -hmm. to explore. And there's no shame in that being what you are focused on right now. We, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Sneak peek to one of the things we're working on right now. I've been working with a man in Australia. Hey, Jeff, who is in a sexless season in his marriage, but he's been committing himself to exploring male multiple orgasms and non-ejaculatory orgasms and has created this beautiful routine and ritual for himself and has completely changed his life through this exploration of his own sexuality. And he reports feeling younger and healthier and more vital than he ever has. He says his hair is growing back thicker and darker and silkier than ever. And he's having the best sex of his life with himself through this commitment. Um, and so we're working together and developing uh, curriculum and strategies about male arousal He's one of my men that I'm working with, and we will soon be putting out a call for more, so stay tuned. But I love this as an example of 
without the availability of a sex partner, what do I have to give myself? Okay, so you have entered your sexless season, you have acknowledged it's happening out loud to one another, you have started to explore and name the reasons why the sexless season is happening, and what your individual needs are and your strategies to meet those needs, right? Now we can start thinking about how will we exit? What is the stopping point? How will we know and how will we actively work towards reconnecting? And sometimes, again, this depends on why the sexless season is happening. Sometimes it will be obvious that that event is in our past and we are now moving out of it. But more often, it's this nebulous space where one person is starting to feel healthier or the stresses are starting to clear. And it becomes important to develop a strategy for exiting the season. And I like to think about this as an opportunity for a new courtship. Hmm. You are starting something new together. You have dropped your routine because you have exited your routine. So you have a chance, you have the opportunity to build something new from the ground up. And yet with all the knowledge of one another's bodies and your histories there. But how do you want to start again? And so some people will just kind of turn towards each other and voraciously devour one another when the opportunity arises, like our mother-in-law's gone out of the house and we've got it now. But I think for a lot of people, you need a slower courtship. You need to start dating again. You need to start flirting again. You need to start seducing one another again. And you can go back to the beginning of your relationship for clues about what worked the first time. What kind of dates did you go on? What kinds of activities did you do before you ever made love? This could be a great time to sign up for a dance class together or some other kind of class where you're going out of the house and going on dates and learning something new. And we've talked before about how learning new things creates a hormonal rush of dopamine. And so this can connect you without even like the pressure of sex. And that might be a good way to start. Start going on some dates and doing something new together and let the energy start to build. Beautiful. So some of it is going out on dates and then some of it is choosing to reconnect and let your bodies get to know one another again. And this is where we love couples massage as a main strategy. It is very unintimidating to sit together at the kitchen table and give one another a hand rub, a shoulder rub, a foot massage, and let that be this bridge back into the physical language of love. You're tending to one another, and then you can start building the eroticism on top of that. So couples massage, are you going to start cuddling more? Can you agree to get in bed naked once a week without any agenda, but just let your naked bodies be next to each other and feel that connection again? What will your physical strategies of reconnection be? Because it feels sometimes very intimidating if you haven't had sex for three months or six months or a year to kind of look across the bed and be like, how do we get back to what we had? Let go of the idea of getting back to what you had and start building something new 
and see what happens. Maybe that is designed perfectly for what you both need now because our needs are always changing. So it is an opportunity to create something that maybe is even better Mm -hmm. if we bring kind of all of ourselves and our needs and desires and openness to to the party. But I think that piece of really intentionally making space and time to connect is so important because, and to do that, we have to really get rid of the idea that sex is spontaneous. And we've done other podcasts about that, but, but making an intentional effort to connect and it doesn't have to be a sex date. As Chris said, it can be a naked bed date that has no objective that you are just seeing what happens and seeing what emerges and what you feel like. One of you might feel like a massage, one of you might feel, who knows, but read each other's stories, you know, but it's just giving yourself time. Read each other's stories. Some people like to do that, whether that's erotic stories or, (laughs) you know, just being together. I guess as a parent, I'm just thinking about like, (laughs) no, no, not those kinds of stories. Cat in the hat tonight, (laughs) sweetie. That would be very kinky role play. Right. And again, depending on where you're at, what the conditions that set you up for this sexless season were, there's going to be more or less repair necessary, Mm -hmm. more or less emotional connection before the physical connection begins. This is very much a create your own adventure. But the point is deliberately and intentionally stepping back into connection, flirtation, seduction, and acknowledging we're moving out of that season and into something new. What do we want to move into? Right? I think just as important it is to mark the beginning, it's important to mark the end. And we think of this with seasons, right? Like Thanksgiving for me is the end of fall and the harvest and the beginning of winter, right? And so what are the rituals, the energetic intentions, the language that can say, that is now behind us. What is? What are we moving into? And again, that can spark this hope and this excitement. So even if you're not having sex right away, you start realizing that this is now again starting to be on the table and the energy can rise between you with that acknowledgement. Yes, and that ritual can be whatever is authentic for you. That can be asking your long-term wife out for a date. You know, it doesn't have to be like, Getting super woo-woo if that's not your thing. (laughs) So this is our basic template for surviving sexless seasons. The acknowledgement, the strategies to move through it, the strategies to get out of it, the creating space for dialogue. We also need to acknowledge sometimes sexless seasons don't end. Sometimes they go on a lot longer than one person is willing to experience. And there has to be a conversation available if one person is so frustrated or so injured by this that they cannot willfully continue on, right? So I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to like end the episode on a down note, but I feel like in these episodes it's important to acknowledge that what happens if one of you can't wait? What happens then? Are you willing to open your relationship up to third people? Are you willing to take a break and see if you want to get back together? Is this time for a divorce? But these are the conversations, right? When there's something so dramatic that has happened within your relationship, how do we act with integrity and in alignment with our values 
so we don't do things that are shame-based and secretive and taking risks and risking people's health, right? And sneaking around and spending money you don't have. Like all of those are like the compulsive behaviors that come out of shame. Uh So how do we move through these seasons shame-free in alignment with our values? And you will sometimes survive that season together intact. Sometimes you will be even closer than when you went into a sexless season and sometimes relationships will end. And I just want to acknowledge that because I just never want to like paint this picture that if you follow our formula, everything will be okay, right? Uh-huh. Like that's not how these things work. It's not life, yeah. And we don't want to make those promises. But I hope that the strategies here will help you in whatever sexless seasons arise in your relationship because we should all expect that there will be some. And this can also be like a less sex, right? It doesn't always go into a deep freeze. This might just be sex is a lot less frequent. We have a lot less time together. And these same strategies apply. Um, So communicate, advocate for your own needs, and develop strategies together that acknowledge actively what's happening within your sexual connection. And most of the time, that will see you through. And try and be generous and be aware of what your partner's going through and Mm -hmm. try and really understand their experience and what they need and see if you can be generous, kind of go beyond what you just thinking about your own experience within, within your relationship. Mm. So I want to end by asking you, Charlotte, we just emerged out of this long sexless season that was probably longer than either one of us wanted or would have chosen, right? We really got slammed in life with his back-to-back um having a child and then developing a serious chronic illness and you know me almost dying um and I feel like we're at a really great place now and stronger what do you feel like were your main strategies for getting through that as the healthy person in that couple Mm. I felt like I was really aware of my devotion to my family and that was really central. I was just like, we are in a season where I am in full on devotion. Um, Let me do my very best with this. Let me put my whole heart and self into it. And then let me take care of myself as best as I can with the small confines of space and time that we have. In the most intense times, that was five minutes. And I challenged myself to give myself five minutes of massage a day as a way of just reminding myself that I matter, I deserve nourishment, I need nourishment, and that is what I can offer myself right now. Mm-hmm. And as it, as it went on, I was eventually able to take a whole hour to myself, and you really helped me in carving out that space and, and making that possible for me and leaving house stuff to the side. And so it, we've always had this philosophy that we are in charge of ourselves first and then we bring ourselves to our partnership. And so I leaned heavily on that philosophy and tried to really live that. I was like, this is a time I need to take care of myself and tend to myself so that I can offer my best self to my family. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So that was what I did. Mm-hmm. And was the hopefulness that it would end, is was acknowledging it as a season an important part of that? It was, but there's no guarantee. I didn't right. know if it would end. Yeah. But either way, I would want to be as devoted as I could, no matter what. Yeah. We're both getting a little teary. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, I think it's vulnerable for us as sex educators to share this part of our story because people hear what we do for a living. I just got this the other day. 
and people kind of imagine that we've got it all figured out and we're having frequent, fabulous, orgasmic sex constantly. And knowing about these things does not prevent life from getting in the way. Um, And we just want to be really honest about all of what we've experienced, the highly orgasmic to the very scary. And yeah, so thank you for sharing this piece of it. Um, And now I think we're going into this big experiment of reconnection. And we've started that and we are going to recommit to it, especially so our daughter is starting school in September. And so we will, again, have all day, every day together to work and create and part of that will be a radical recommitment to our sexuality and our eroticism and we're going to really keep track of what we do and what um, what strategies we put into place to move into our next season of sexuality together Um, and I feel changed and this is the other piece is I did not emerge out of this crisis the same person Mm -hmm. and so I don't feel like I'm the same sexual person my body certainly isn't the same my capabilities with my body aren't the same but my soul isn't the same either and so we will be new lovers for one another Um, and I think we're already feeling that like there is a shift that we cannot go back from Mm -hmm. and I find this exciting and interesting and when you think about long-term relationships and all that you go through together you know this idea of like oh you're gonna eat the same cereal every day like a cereal is a commodified packaged product that is the same every day a human being is not Mm. and so monogamy is not the commitment to boredom or to having the same thing year in and year out we are changed and something is new and we will explore what that is together and report back as we <laughs> Stay <tuned>. to. <laughs> all right so we are fast approaching episode 300 and we are using this as kind of a random moment of reflection and contemplation on what we want to create with this podcast we are bouncing around the idea of starting a second show Because we'll have all this new time. (laughs) (laughs) And we love doing this so much. And we want to have new kinds of conversations with you. Um, And if you want to be part of this conversation and have a vote in the future of the Pleasure Mechanics world, please come over to patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. And sign up for an ongoing monthly pledge. For as little as a dollar a month, you get to vote on our future. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you want. What you really, really want. And be part of these conversations. Get all of the bonus resources. As soon as you pledge, you unlock the archive of bonus resources. So the monogamy agreement is in there. There's several other worksheets. There's bonus episodes. And there's also a delightful, loving, kind community that's coming together um, around this show and our work. And it's really lovely to start getting to know people. For $25 a month, we're putting pleasure packages in the mail so you can get a monthly love letter from us. Um, I just got this month's packages together. It was really fun to do. And we just added a new tier if you want to jump on the phone for half an hour a month and talk about anything with me, we can do that. 
So explore our Patreon page, sign up for the level of pledge that feels right for you, and be part of this conversation, and unlock the treasure trove of bonus resources we have for you there. Patreon.com slash Pleasure Mechanics. And as always, we love to remind you that we have amazing online courses ready for you whenever you are ready to master new erotic skills, like couples massage that we talked about in this episode, like kinky sex. If your next season looks a lot kinkier than your past, then join us for an online course so we can guide you into that next realm of your erotic journey. Pleasuremechanics.com, you will find all of this and more. Use the code speaking of sex for 20% off the online course of your choice and join us next week for another episode of the speaking of sex podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the pleasure mechanics wishing you a lifetime of pleasure.